Hello and welcome to Polonet Podcast. First, Happy New Year from all of us in Polonet. In today's episode, the last one for this year, we're going to talk about Ghana, a special country in Africa. To be precise, in Western Africa. My name is Tara Stajakovic and I will be your host today. My guest is Alhassan Akonde. Alhassan, I'm so glad to have you here. Can you please tell us more about yourself? Um, so basically, I'm Alhassan Akondo, um, a graduate from University of Ghana, and I studied um, my bachelor's sociology with philosophy. That's for my undergraduate. Then I moved on um, to study, move into international relations. So I moved to Poland to study my diplomacy, which is uh, with the European Academy of Diplomacy in Warsaw. And the program was Academy of Young Diplomats. And uh, my specialization was in international organization. Then um, I've also had the opportunity to uh, participate in numerous of conferences, like conferences such as the Forum for Democracy in France. I've also had the opportunity to also participate in a forum for the Global Action for Sustainable Development Goals in um, Germany, in Bonn. So basically, it's like I've just been moving, like involving myself in international organization programs because that's where my passion lies. And uh, I intend to see myself to become an ambassador for Ghana, hopefully in the future. So I'm still equipping myself from time to time, I think. Yeah, that's the brief history about me. And luckily enough, um, I also had the opportunity to also be the um, general ambassador for Arab Youth Model International Nation um, Simulation. And like the headquarters is in uh, Dubai, United Arab Emirates, yeah. And um, so I'm sort of like the country representation for them. So always have to send delegates to them for their assimilation programs and model United Nations conferences. So basically that's what I've been doing now. So you're currently living in Ghana or in Europe? Um, currently I'm living in Italy. Uh, I had to relocate to Italy because uh, my family has, has been in Italy. So after my studies in Ghana and coming to Italy, I moved from Italy to Poland to do my international um, organization program. Then afterwards, I'm, I'm now back in Italy. So currently, I'm in Italy. Mm, can you tell us more about, like, how is living in Ghana compared to living in Europe? What are the differences and what do you find is best in living in Ghana and what is best living in Europe? Um, well, that, that's a tough question, but well, I would say because I, I don't want to be biased by selecting Ghana because I'm a Ghanaian, no. Uh, but just to be more like uh, emphatic, because um, in Ghana, it's sort of like an open society. So it's like we usually see ourselves as um, brothers and sisters and we are able to mingle easily with one another. And you can just be walking within a, like the environment or like within the neighborhood. You might not know anyone, but like you just have to say, use the usual like language, Charlie, it is saying, which is just like, oh, hello, my friend, or like my buddy, how are you doing? You get it. But in Europe, it's like um, people are sort of like reserved, like people are in their 
uh, in their circle, they always do not mingle easily unless maybe you have to interact with the person to like ask a question or maybe um, you need an information or maybe um, there is a program happening, you get to interact with one another. But within the communities, like every, mostly you find out the place is so quiet. It's like, it, sound, it looks as if there are no people within <laughs> the community, but then there are people, everyone is indoor. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know the reason for that, but I would like prefer to live in Ghana because it's sort of a, like an open society. People move around easily, and we are like cool to hang out. With. Do you see the same differences in politics in Europe and Africa, in West Africa, um, in Ghana, in Italy, in Poland? Do you see? Uh, the, these differences express themselves in politics, in political parties, in diplomacy, maybe because you're interested in international relations. Yeah, I'll say. Um, funny enough, um, it looks like it's more like an ironically uh, scenario because in Europe they are reserved, but when it comes to politics or like when it comes to um, international relations, it's like there is much involvement. You know, people get involved as compared to Ghana. Usually there is sort of like the um, apathetic uh, attitude. People do not feel like, okay, this does not concern me or like I don't want to involve myself because I'm not that um, knowledgeable or I don't have that skills to be able to contribute to my uh, knowledge in decision-making. But in Europe, it's not the same. It's like even... Um, I know my younger sister who was born in Italy here, when she turned 18 immediately, like the municipality had, had to send her her voting um, card. You know, it's like automatically you're being registered into the system. So when you turn 18, you, you are given the platform to um, participate. Um, if, if it comes to voting, you're able to vote and also contribute when it comes to decision making. But then in Africa, it's not necessarily the same. You know, sometimes you have to wait every election season or like period, then you go on to register. So somebody can turn 18, let's say in 2020, just like in Ghana, we had election this year. Okay. So somebody who turned, let's say 20, um, 18 last year in 2019, couldn't register. The person had to wait until this year to register and can now vote. You get it. But like in Europe, it's not the same. In Europe, once you turn 18, because your data is in the system, automatically they recognize you've turned 18 and they pass on to you your necessary um, voting right. You get it, but in Ghana, it's not the same. And uh, in terms of the involvement, as I said, in Europe, it's like more people, you find youth advocating, youth ad activists who are like champ championing um, um, developmental issues or like define problems and they, they feel like their voice matters so they go on to um, speak about what is really bothering them but then in Africa or like in Ghana mostly it's not the case and even when you mobilize themselves to advocate for like um, what is due them even like the leaders do not even like listen to them yeah so it's like there is that difference huge difference between Europe and Africa. But I think with time we are getting the grand value.
What are the differences between party politics in ideologies, in policies? Uh, can you talk more about that? Um, well, um, when it comes to party politics, you know, we have like multi-party system, but just, just to give you a brief history, um, right from independent, we had like one party system, like um, Dr. Kwame Kumar, who was like the pioneer, like who was uh, who fought for the independence of Ghana. You know, after he became the prime minister, he wanted to make the country a one party system. But then later, people realized that no, the country does not need a one party system. So one that was one of the reasons that led to his um, downfall or like a coup d'etat. And then we had like a series of like uh, coup d'etat. We had a military rule. But then after the 1992 constitution, we've had um, now sort of like a multi-party system. And these parties have different ideologies. But then I'll just focus on the two dominant political party system, uh, parties, which is the New Patriotic Party the incumbent party, and the National Democratic Congress. So usually the National Democratic Congress is seen as the socialist political party. And the new patriotic um, party is seen as the capitalist party. But now you find out that um, within their policies, they are beginning to redesign their policies not to center on their ideology. Because they are, they've noticed that um, now the challenges people are facing and the solutions they are bringing, if they tend to go with that um, ideology, that's one line of ideology, then it's not really going to bring about development or change within the society. So they are beginning to blend the ideology. So as of now, you cannot really say um, uh, MPP, which is the National uh, Patriotic Party, it's a capitalist party because they've introduced programs like the free education. And when we talk about a free education, it's like giving access to everyone um, to have access to education. And that kind of policy is a um, socialist policy. And now the, they've also, back in, 2000, uh, uh, back in 2000, they brought the National Health Insurance Scheme which is also like providing health care for the Ghanaian citizens. So a general health care. So it's like they are, not, not, they are not really centered on their capitalist ideology, but they are blending and they are realigning their... So as I know, you can't really tell if they are still a capitalist uh, party. And the National Democratic Congress also, which used to be a socialist, um, they've introduced like a lot of like social policies, but now they have also they are also blending. And back then, they were also like advocating for a progressive uh, free education. Progressive in the sense that okay, you have to put down the infrastructures. Then after putting down the infrastructures, then you can go on to enroll people onto like the free education. But without the infrastructures then it's like even when you introduce a system, it's not going to work. So it's like that is what is happening now. Now it's like you can't really tell what ideology each party is working with. Yeah.
I wanted to ask, like, when we look at the map and we look at uh, Ghana's neighbors, we see there there are no democracies, uh, at least compared to uh, to international think tanks and researchers. Um, Ghana is kind of an isolated democracy island. I wanted to ask you, what do you think influenced Ghana to become democracy and maintain a democratic political system? And what is that that is blocking other countries um, that are close to Ghana from doing the same? Funny to see that uh, in Ghana we have different types of like uh, governance or like different types of political systems. Uh, but then to speak about Ghana's own, as I said earlier, you know, let's take the period from 1957 to 1966. We were ruled by Dr. Kwame Nkrumah with um, the CPP party. And then he was overthrown like uh, after uh, he was overthrown. Then we had a military rule for like three years. Then coming down after the military rule, we had a... Uh, a prime minister who came over, like Buzia, came over to take over. Then after two years, then we had a series or like a stream of like um, coup d'etats until, let's say, 1981, when we had the final coup d'etat by the late former president, Jerry John Rodney's. Okay. Then now it's like people, let's say the pioneers of the 1992 constitution realized that Okay, we we've been through series of like different forms of governance. So why not introduce a governance, even if it's not like hundred uh, percent um, like fit or like it's not hundred percent a working system? So they brought the um, democracy. You get it? Democracy is like to give people the mandate to elect and unelect their leaders. So since nineteen ninety two, we've been a democratic state. And as you know, Tetel said, we've tried all forms of um, system of governance and even democracy is not a, a perfect system, but then that is the only option we have for now. Okay, so like looking at that, we Ghanaians are like, we are learning from our past that we've been through a series of like different forms of governance. And if we are to look at their impact, they haven't really been positive onto the society or like onto the state. So now trying democracy is like, okay, we after every four years, we have an election. So we can decide to elect if the governance is performing or if the government is performing. If they are not performing, then we elect a new um, government to take over. And I think we, we, we still are still learning and correcting our mistakes. But then if you look at our track record from 1992 till date, We've had a peaceful election and there haven't been any form of violence, even though like, you know, elections, every election period, there, there, there will be tensions as to, okay, there's going to be ban uh, ballot snatching. This is using rhetoric forms of politics to campaign against the other political party. But you can't really say that for the African, that uh, other African countries, let's say in, uh, Ivory Coast, Burkina Faso, you know, they are like, they were ruled by the French and um, their system of governance is, is still not uh, an independent one because France still has influence in their politics. 
So it's not, they are no sort of like, they, they, they are like independent, but still you find out that there's still a major external influence, unlike in Ghana, we were colonized by the British. And after 1957, we've gone independent. It's like we are not under British rule. You get it. So it's like we we are much different from them. And if you take the other African countries, for instance, like let's use um, Cameroon. They've had one political leader since 1957, you know, Paul Bia. And uh, it, it's like most of these francophone countries, it's like they would want to pass leadership onto their children or like onto their family members. Uh, is there anything that you've seen or uh, like found about in Europe that hmm. you would want to implement in your country, in your Ghana? Okay, yeah, um, I think I've seen so many things in Europe I would really want to implement. One has to do with uh, the investment in youth. You know, it's like in Europe, they've invested so much in youth in terms of like when it comes to programs like Erasmus, when it comes to like the European Solidarity Corps or like the European Voluntary Service. So these are like programs that is like interconnected. It kind of like um, connects Europeans because if you're on an Erasmus program or studies, then you don't really study, let's say you are an Italian citizen. You don't study in Italy alone, but then you have the chance to study in different um, universities, let's say in Germany, in Poland, in UK. So this creates more interconnectedness. So this is one program I would really want to implement in Ghana if I had the opportunity. Because in Ghana and in Africa, we, we still do not have an open border within Africa. Most of our um, countries still have a closed border due to the wars and the terrorism facing Africa or like the continent now. If uh, we can move forward to implement such programs, I think the youth of today would have a better opportunity tomorrow because if youth are able to enroll themselves on these programs, let's say somebody from Ghana goes to South Africa to study with a similar program or like goes to Sudan, goes to Egypt, goes to um, Senegal, so this would further expand the understanding of our continent and which will enable we, the youth, to see ourselves as, okay, we are the future change maker. And um, once we reach a consensus or like once we understand ourselves, then we can begin to start working, collaborating, sharing ideas, and together would help the continent go far. So I think that is one thing that is really lacking in Africa. And Europe has done that. Uh, we can move on to also um, copy and do it and even improve upon it. Yes. Because uh, in terms of democracy, it's not ours. We copied from Europeans and we, we're still improving upon it. So we can also keep on going to also copy that, which would help the continent. Yeah. And one other thing I would really want to change has to do with the perception of Europeans about Africa. 
you know, mostly the media has, it's like, does the publication or says what is happening in Africa. But then mostly it's not the case. Even though some of them are true, but majority of them is like, you, you realize that no, this is not what is happening in Africa. Or like they portray Africa to be like a continent, which is like, uh, still not so developed. It's like, not civilized. Not civilized, you get it. But then you find, you see African cities or like uh, um, countries, then you'll be amazed. You feel like, ah, this looks like Europe. This, like, because it's like we have, when it comes to infrastructure, infrastructure development, the, the only funny thing is that most of the this infrastructure development happens in the cities, unlike the other um, rural centers. You get it. So it's like there is that uh, disparity between the development in the urban centers and the rural centers. So I think, but aside, I think like they just have to change this. Uh, um, how do I say it? this perception? Negative perception always is like you read the news. Oh, I, I remember when the migrant influence happened in 2015, 2016. Ah, you get uh, they are coming to store your jobs, they are coming to take your women or your girls. It's like what kind of narration is this? But then aside that, I think everything is fine in Europe. Yeah. And uh, are there a lot of Chinese influence and Chinese investments in Ghana? Uh, well, we 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 have like a lot of Chinese um, investors in Ghana, and we also are now still trying to crack down their um, influence because you notice that the Chinese have a way of allowing you to accept their loans. And at the end of the day, they also take whatever they know, like you hold valuable to yourself. So currently the, the our government or like the new patriotic party is proposing um, a deal and the Ghanaians feel like, no, this is not the right deal to go in for because it's like they, are, they want to sell, our, not, not like sell, but then use our resources as a collateral to go for loan. And if you do that, it's like um, with China, China, when you look at countries like Djibouti, Sri Lanka, they've gone for huge sums of money and they are unable to pay. And now China is holding on to their um, pots. You get it. So China will tell you, come for the loan. There wouldn't be much interest or you wouldn't pay interest. But then they know that when you take the loan, you can't pay. At the end of the day, they cripple your economy and they have so much influence. That is what we're facing now because it's sort of like a recolonization by the Chinese government. And um, people are getting scared of it. And um, there is a backlash. People do not want that. But yet, still, the people can voice out their concerns. But because the government still have majority in parliament, the government still has so much say, that is our challenge. But now we're seeing a different parliamentary system in Ghana because the minority and the majority have the same number of seats in parliament. They both have 137 but we have one independent candidate. So the independent candidate will be the decider of every decision. 
but he used to be um, an old MPP or like an old New Patriotic Party who stood independently. So basically, he was still aligning himself. And I think the National Democratic Congress have to um, speak to him, make like educate him or like sort of like let him see whatever proposals that they bring on board, if it's positive, if it helps the country, then um, it can decide to go in for whichever would help the entire country. So would you like to say something for an end of episode, maybe regarding uh, Ghana's future or future in international relations, in diplomacy, and maybe how is Ghana, um, the influence of Ghana in international organizations? Um, like when it comes to Ghanaian influ influence in international organization, well, um, I think so far we're doing very good. Uh, we had a UN Secretary General, Kofi Annan, who was the Secretary General for UN. I think um, he did nine years or eight years, I think from 2000 to 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Um, then we also have uh, uh, Muslim, when it comes to the African Union, the ECOWAS, um, the EU, we have our representatives all over, like within the global space. And one key, like uh, major contributions to our international organization or like diplomacy or relation has to do with the UN, because the UN is seen as the, the topmost or like the highest international career one can get involved in and having a UN Secretary General from Ghana really places on the international recognition um, so most people are now curious to know what is happening in Ghana and we've proven that we have one of the best democratic system or governance in Africa and even in the world because in the world we are ranked 55th but then in Africa we are ranked 6th with a score of like 6.6 .6. So this tells people like, okay, then Ghana or like Ghana is more peaceful and we, we still like, even like we are not still perfect with our system of democracy. We are still improving. Um, like as time goes on, I know like things would also get much better and there, there would be more freedom. There would be more equality. Um, this is like key qualities of like democracy that helps every society to succeed when um there's like individual liberties when there's the, when there's an effective rule of law um when there's free movement when there's transparency when there's participation and representations and all that so i think that really helps a lot and uh, so far we're doing good when it comes to economic um, development or like infrastructure um so far we're having a good economic growth and more people are also investing in ghana due to the fact that there is more peace and security. And even Ghana, we find ourselves to be uh, in a continent which is like uh, facing um, like wars, terrorism all over. But yes, still we've stood our grounds and we know what we want and we know where we want to get to. So we're still leading or like becoming the peace setters of like a good democratic governance. And I think like other African countries or like other 
countries in the world can also learn from us. And uh, uh, we also like move on to learn from other countries who are like way ahead of us, like Norway, Sweden, the Scandinavian countries who are like really doing better in terms of democracy. So we'll get there, hopefully. I want to thank yeah. you for being our guest in the fourth episode of Polynet. It was nice talking to you. And I think you learned a lot about Ghana and Africa as a continent. And yeah. thank you for being here and for sharing your story and your opinions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the platform and also inviting me to be your guest today on the your fourth podcast. And um, I'm excited to have been part of this discussion. And I've also learned so much. And um, thank you for your interesting and challenging questions. The way it's easy, but I'm happy like at least I'm able to give a little explanation or like a little background or answers to your questions. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you all for listening. This was all for today and for this year. See you in 2021. And be sure to follow us on Instagram. And before-